Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Our Golden Twenties. My name is Sadie, and I'm joined with Tegan, and we're going to be talking all about transitioning into post-grad life today, including finding your first full-time job, writing your resume, and just that transition from being a student to being an adult altogether. So it's going to be a good one, but thought we could start today's episode with a Tuesday tip. Teg, do you want to give us a tip of the week? Sure. It's been a while since I feel like I've given a tip, so mm-hmm. uh, I hope you're ready. Bring but it back. Yeah. My tip this week kind of has to do with the main theme of this episode, but it is to keep your LinkedIn and your resume up to date. And what Mm -hmm. I mean by that is when you get a new job, add it to your LinkedIn and update your resume. When you've worked on a really great project, if you get good feedback, if you, you know, receive some sort of analytics that show exactly the kind of work you do, keep all of that stuff. Because if you, for whatever reason, lose your job or someone reaches out to you like a headhunter, mm-hmm. it is such a pain in the butt to then have to rush and create your resume. It's so much easier if it's just something that you work on, you know, once every couple of months or however mm-hmm. frequently makes sense. And then you've always got it saved on your computer and you can send it out with like minimal edits. So yeah. that is my tip. Yeah, that's such a good tip. And honestly, like you never know, especially in like the LinkedIn era, like you never know when somebody's going to reach out to you and you might actually be like interested in the opportunity without even applying for it. Mm -hmm. So it is definitely a good idea. And like updating your resume takes a really long time if you just do it all in one go. So this is like a time saver too. I love that. Yeah. The other thing is too, like if you're losing your job, a lot of times you don't have warning that it's happening. Mm -hmm. So like for me personally, I work on a lot of video content and it's like, if I'm not saving links to the video content as it's finished, it Mm -hmm. takes me so long to even like remember the projects I worked on, let alone then find the content, like that sort of thing. If you're working on campaigns, proposals, whatever it is, it's always good to like save those as you go along as well. For sure. And also, I guess if you have like an online portfolio or even Mm -hmm. if it's just like a portfolio on like like a folder on your personal computer, like, yeah, just making sure you're adding to that and like keeping Mm -hmm. it up to date. Such a good idea. Yeah. What's your tip? My tip? Okay. So I feel like the past few times we've done this, I like kick off the episode with like something super deep and like I get us all in our feels before the episode even begins. So today I was like, you know what, I'm going to keep it light and just talk about something that I've been like, it's been, I guess, top of mind for me. So obviously it's summer and hopefully you guys have taken some beach days. You've been in the pool and you're enjoying summer to the fullest. I know I have been at the lake as much as I could be and my hair is super dry already, just like dead ends. I really need a haircut. I still haven't got it cut since like lockdowns and everything started happening. So my like ends are really yucky, but swimming in the lake, 
just makes my hair like even more dead and dried out. So Mm. I've started using hair oil and I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but even if I have, I want to bring it up again just with like seasonality. But honestly, I use hair oil a few times a week and I find it does like the It has like magic powers and like (laughs) totally makes the world of a difference in my hair. So I'm somebody too who like always avoided hair oil because I thought it would make my hair greasy. I can't even use like hydrating shampoos and hydrating conditioners because it makes my hair so greasy. But I found I'm using the ordinary argon oil and I just put like three to four drops in my hands, rub my hands together and just like run my hands over like the ends of my hair to like concentrate the oil there and I find it doesn't make my hair greasy at all it usually actually gives my hair like a nice curl the night of as well Mm. and then the next day in the coming days it just keeps my hair like really soft and less dead feeling so that is my tip to implement hair oil into your weekly routine doesn't have to be like a lot, like once a week is what I aim for, sometimes twice mm-hmm. a week if my hair is like especially dead one one week, but <laughs> that is my tip. Yeah, I love that. I feel like it's like the next step from like if you're doing skincare and then like mm. if you're doing like nail care, like I find a lot yeah. of hair oils too you can use in multiple places. Like yeah. you can use in your hair, like on your nails, like even on your face. I have really dry skin, so like I need all the help I can get in that area. Yeah. And there are like a lot out there on the market that have like multi uses as well. Yeah, that's why I went for the argon oil from the ordinary because I'm like Mm -hmm. this is really like a multi-use purpose or multi-use product (laughs) multi-purpose product (laughs) you guys know what I'm trying to say so yeah exactly I love that and from the ordinary it's like super cheap like if you get like a special like hair serum kind of thing like they're Mm -hmm. very expensive but the ordinary oils super cheap so definitely recommend you guys check it out love it Alrighty. So for the main part of this episode, or I guess I should say the main topic of this episode, we're talking about the things we've learned post-grad. So remind our listeners, Sadie, how many years it's been since you graduated? Mm, Five. I think, yeah, it would have been five years in April that I graduated, Mm, which is crazy. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I think, I don't know, how much longer in school was I? Another, just another year? I, was, or was I think so, because I was three-year program. Oh, okay, so I did four? four and a half. Yeah. Okay. So I would be four years in September. Okay, right. Right? <laughs> math is hard. Yeah. I did didn't go to school for math. You couldn't tell. <laughs> I think I think that sounds right. Yeah. 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 Checks out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we've been working women ever since. Yep. Yeah. Don't have much of a choice. I feel like it was like. Yeah. Time is done. Get yeah. your job. Yeah. My college roommate graduated like 
a semester before me, I think. And I just remember her coming home after work and not having to do homework. And, you know, she could, like, go out with friends. She could, like, just watch TV and chill. And I was like, oh, my God, girl, I cannot wait until I'm done school and I can just come home, not have to do homework. Like, I was so excited. And I was also just not really a school person, like, Mm. especially compared to my sisters who loved school and like got really great marks and grades and just they loved learning I was Mm -hmm. like I love learning but I love working way more and like Mm -hmm. I can't wait until I'm actually making money and like working for like a company rather than just like learning about what companies should do or whatnot you know like it just wasn't fulfilling so I'm just I honestly said to myself I hope I never have to go back to school because Mm -hmm. I really don't want to. I only got like a college certificate. So there was a like time in my life where I was like, I don't know, maybe I'd need a degree, especially Mm -hmm. like more so in marketing since I went to school for fashion and we can get into all this. And we also have past episodes about like kind of our career journey so far and, you know, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But I'm just hoping I don't have to go back to school and I can just keep working because that's what I like to do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like I do enjoy working, but I really, really love school. Parts of it. Like, I feel like with everything, there's parts that are annoying, but I enjoy, like, studying. And that's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good for me. I used to be called, like, the Hermione of our group because I would organize our studying for, like, (laughs) all of us. But, yeah, and so there's part of me that's, like, I think my dream scenario would be to teach at, like, a college because Mm -hmm. then it would still have, like, the elements of school that I think I enjoy, but then I would still be, like, working and making money because I also enjoy having money to spend. (laughs) I could see that for you, like, 100%. Yeah, that's my dream, maybe. I'll see. Yeah. It's hard because I feel like with the type of, like, teaching position I would need, it would just be, like, a situation of, like, someone already working at a school would know me. And so I don't know how likely that scenario is, but you never know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Or I, like, get a PhD and become a prof at a university but that seems like a lot more work (laughs) yeah that's but you love school so maybe it's worth it yeah yeah (laughs) tag I think it might be good if we just refresh our listeners or tell listeners if they're new what we do and like what Mm -hmm. our jobs are so obviously tag and I just work on the podcast like for fun we have nine to five jobs so tag want to tell us about your job your industry all that kind of stuff Yeah, so I am a video editor and I work in the film and television industry, but primarily cutting content as like advertising. So I would be cutting videos to promote upcoming films and TV shows. And that could Mm -hmm. be doing like behind the scenes. Like if you ever had like a DVD that had bonus features, I cut stuff like that. If you see a celebrity that has a well put together Instagram story, I'm cutting stuff like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's, you know, a bunch of different stuff. But my title is video editor and videographer because I shoot some stuff sometimes. But yeah, yeah. What about you? And 
Yeah, and I guess we'll go into this a little bit more, but you've always worked agency side as well, which I think is like yeah. typical for like a creative role like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a social media specialist and I'm in-house for a company. Um, so no agency experience for me, but I've always been in the retail industry. And then right now I'm just kind of on the media side of it all. So in my day-to-day, I'm buying social media ads, so primarily Facebook and Instagram, and then also Pinterest, LinkedIn. Everybody's obviously wanting to explore TikTok right now, so all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Basically, paid ads on social. If you're not like sure exactly what I mean, it's like anytime you're scrolling through your feed or tapping through your Instagram stories and you see brand content that is sponsored and it's coming directly from the brand, That's what I do. I'm setting that up. I'm targeting you specifically with that specific ad. And (laughs) that's pretty much it. So there is some math to it. I'm not going to lie. We're like, we don't work in math. (laughs) And I still (laughs) suck so much at math. But it's very like data driven, very like numbers focused, but also a little bit of creative, you know, to get working with people like Tegan and like creative agencies to get the ad. And then I'm setting it all up in Facebook business manager, like I said, loading in my audience to target and then away we go. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this episode we were excited to do because sometimes, well, me personally, I feel like I have imposter syndrome and it's like, why should people listen to me talk about things when I'm still figuring out things in my life? But I do feel confident that we are like both two working women who have had success Mm -hmm. finding jobs in the fields that we wanted to and finding jobs that, you know, bring us joy most of the time. Yeah. So yeah, I do feel like we have some good insight, especially like for people who are leaving school or people who are maybe looking to change their career. Like I remember I, I worked at Wendy's for like six or seven years or something crazy. And I remember reaching a point where I was like, I think I'm just done with this in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's not about the money or anything. It's just about where I want my career to go. And it was like a mindset shift. So I think also, whether you're like, even went to school, I think if you're in a place like that, too, we can hopefully give some good insights and tips this episode. Yeah, 100%. And I think, too, you bring up such a great point about, like, imposter syndrome. I definitely have that quite often because I didn't go to school for social media marketing. I don't Mm -hmm. even know when I went to school if that even existed. Like, I feel like social media is just, like, this emerging kind of part of marketing and media that just has, like, popped up in the past few years. But my whole story in general, like, I didn't go to school for marketing at all. I went to school Mm -hmm. for fashion. It was fashion business, so there was, like, marketing courses in it and stuff. But to end up working on a client that's not in the fashion industry, I'm not working on a marketing team anymore. I'm, like, dedicated to media. Like, sometimes Mm -hmm. I sit here and I'm, like, how did I get here? (laughs) Do I actually know what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. And like that sort of thing. So I think that's kind of one of the first points we wanted to talk about was that sometimes, especially if you're in like a position of wanting a career change, but you're like, well, that just goes like throws my whole education out the window because, Mm -hmm. you know, I went to school for marketing and I'm not even in marketing anymore or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
that's okay. Like we all kind of have this roundabout way of getting to where we're supposed to be. And I don't think like what you go to school for is necessarily like what you're going to end up working in for the mm-hmm. rest of your life. And especially if it, you start working in it full time and you realize like it doesn't bring you joy, then yeah, maybe mm-hmm. it's time to start exploring something else. Yeah. What would you say was before you went to school, your like dream job? I'm curious about okay. this. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So my dream job, I think, was to work at a fashion magazine because mm. that was just like the dream of the day it felt like. <laughs> and I remember looking basically how I got to the school I went to and got the program I went to. I found like one program in specific that I thought would get me to be like a fashion editor one day at a magazine mm-hmm. and then chose like backup schools and stuff that had similar programs to that. And right. then all of it kind of just fell through, like fell into a different way than I had imagined. And now I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, at the time, my dad was like, I think you're more into like marketing and like not necessarily fashion, but like, mm-hmm. you know, more than the writing aspect and like advertising. And I was like, I don't know. And then through my experience, through fashion school, I realized that it is marketing I'm like most passionate about and have like pursued ever since. Mm-hmm. So definitely like a roundabout way of getting yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. What was, do you think you had a similar experience or was yours like pretty linear? I think that, well, I was in a a kind of a weird situation where a lot of the people who were in my course, they had things like film courses in high school, which I don't believe our high school had. I know we had like a photography mm-hmm. course, but I don't know about like a straight out film course, but yeah, I don't a lot so. of the kids like you have to live a pretty privileged life to be able to major in film. So Mm -hmm. they were coming from like really wealthy high school. So they have been doing like film stuff for a long time. So I was coming in and I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. I just know that I like watching movies. So I was like, I'll be a director. Sure. Why not? And then I started like making films with my friends, discovered that that's not what I like at all. In fact, I hate being on set because Mm -hmm. It just drives me crazy. And also like the lifestyle, like if you are even a freelance editor or you're an editor for movies, you are like a freelancer. So you are your Mm -hmm. own boss. You have to live off job to job. You have to find new jobs. And that's not really the lifestyle that I like to live all the time. I kind of cycle back and forth between it. But so it kind of took some working to realize that I can watch feature length films and enjoy them as a hobby and mm-hmm. incorporate that into my job. But then my job is short term content, just editing, and mm-hmm. then I can switch my brain off. And so that's kind of how I got there. So I was in the right wheelhouse, just kind mm-hmm. of on the wrong path. And it took trial and error to be like, well, I think I'd like this trying something. Oh, no, I don't. Yeah. I think that's what school is all about. Like, I feel people put pressure on themselves that if they end up not liking their program, like they're a failure and they need to figure out like how to like it where it's like, well, no, like you have to try it to know if you actually like it or not. And same when you start working full time, like 
just because you spent a few years studying in school doesn't mean you're going to like showing up like in that role every day once Mm -hmm. it's in the actual workplace. So I think that's it is like learn what you do and don't like and just kind of keep building off of that. And I think when you're in school, I still encourage everybody to go to school because I think you can learn a lot, but it also gives you Mm -hmm. like connections and internships where you can learn and get experience before like starting to work. So it just gives you a better sense of like feeling things out. Mm -hmm. And also just like gives you a connection to professors who have been doing this for years and years, you know, somebody to talk to and lean on. So I know Mm -hmm. for me, the first year of my program was very focused on becoming a buyer for a like fashion retail store. And I was like, this is not what I want at all. So I talked to my Mm -hmm. professors and they were like, you know, maybe you can take this lens with your project instead of this like initial Mm -hmm. plan for the project. Like let's turn it to be more marketing focused since that seems to be what you're more interested in. And they were able to kind of help guide me and be those mentors for me where I could get through all three years of my program and get what I needed out of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that especially like you pay for so many resources when you're in school, like especially Mm -hmm. me, I was taking film and so they had cameras and like fancy computers and stuff like that. And so as much as it's like, yeah, you're there to take the courses and do the test, there's so many resources and you're surrounded by people who are interested in the same thing. So I think that one thing that I did that really helped me was... Like I created films using the resources that were there. And this applies to Mm -hmm. everything. Like when you're in school, you have access to Photoshop and to like so many different things. So if you're someone who's interested in graphic design, you're paying for the programs and stuff like that. So this is a good time to start building your portfolio Mm -hmm. if that's the kind of work you're going into. And yeah, to connect with people. Like I still deal Mm -hmm. with people in my work who are people that, I met during school and if someone yeah. you know gets a job out of school and there's an opening for you and they knew you they could help you get a job and they or they mm-hmm. can be a reference for you you know like it's a good way to connect with people who clearly are also taking the same things seriously and have the same interests and most likely mm-hmm. the same end goal yeah for sure like I think people always view college as like you know, making a great time to make friends, but it's really Mm -hmm. the start of your professional network as well. And networks are so important. That's how I've gotten pretty much all of my jobs. My professor either staying connected with the industry and recommending me for jobs with grads who work for that company. That's how I got my first job and my second job. And then to get to the job where I am now, it was somebody I met at like I worked with this person, then they left the company and mm-hmm. kind of like recruited me to leave af- like and join them at the new company. So mm-hmm. honestly, like networking is so important. And I know like people know that and like that's what everybody <laughs> is talking about, but that's really been the number one way for me to get this far in my career and like make career jumps. And it all really started by going to school and meeting like-minded people in the industry I wanted to work in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have never, I don't think, been asked about my degrees in an interview before. Yes. But I do think that by getting a degree, because it is hard work, 
you learn mm-hmm. a lot of skills that are really fundamental to yeah. being in a workplace. Yeah. So even though it it sounds I don't know. I feel like people can make the argument that you shouldn't go to school. You should just go to work. But I kind of disagree with that because I feel like I learned so, so much. And outside Mm -hmm. of, you know, the actual topics that I picked in my major, you learn Mm -hmm. things about like being organized, time management, how to like cooperate with other people, how to prioritize like skills that you use day to day in your typical job. 100%. And like even outside of like building your career, like a lot of time when you go to college or university, like it's your first time moving out as well. So I I found for me, there was a lot of skills that I learned just like living on my own and like establishing Mm -hmm. my independence and just like things that help me find myself. Yeah. You know, like it all starts in college. And I think, yeah, outside of the actual courses that you're taking, like those are skills that you need to like go to college university for to get for sure. Yeah, definitely. So let's say you are just about to finish your degree or you finished it. You're looking for a job. I feel like the first place to start is obviously your resume, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I already gave my little tip before about how you should be kind of like updating it constantly but obviously like your resume is the first thing that an employer sees I saw a stat that was Mm -hmm. like an employer looks at a resume for like it was something ridiculous like five seconds before they Mm -hmm. either decide like yes or no so this is really like your first impression and if your resume doesn't look good you're never going to get the interview yeah so do you have any tips Sadie as far as like resumes and resume building goes Yes. One thing I love to like live by is that your resume lands you the interview and the interview lands you the job. So like you said, it's just really like you proving yourself and like kind of teasing yourself so that people or the recruiter wants to interview you and like actually Mm -hmm. talk to you. And from there you can like wow them and then obviously secure the job. So for me, I'm a huge loser and I love resumes. Like I edit <laughs> all of my friends' resumes. I just love it so much. My number one tip for it is obviously just to make it look visually appealing first mm-hmm. because like you said, it's like five seconds and they're really going off like first impressions. So you want to make sure when a recruiter or the hiring manager is looking at your resume, they know like it's organized, it's easy to read. Otherwise, they're not going to spend time trying to figure out, okay, are these their skills? Like, where's their work experience? Where did they go to school? Like, it needs to be laid out super clean so they can just skim it over Mm -hmm. and get what they need from it. The other thing that I like tell everybody, and I feel nobody even thinks about this, So I want to like make it so like clear right now that you need to look at the job posting you're applying for when you're Mm. writing your resume and your resume, like skills that you focus on and whatnot and your work experience need to align with what is in the job posting. So if the job Mm -hmm. posting is saying that they're looking for somebody who sets up paid social media ads, you probably want to find a way, like even if that's not your full-time job right now, like start doing it for fun so you can 
put that, you know, responsibility from your work experience into your resume so they know Mm -hmm. you're qualified to do it. And same with skills. Like they might say, you know, we're looking for somebody who's a strong communicator. You want to make sure you write that you have strong communication skills somewhere in your resume. And another like part of this whole like really quick glance at your resume, I don't know how true this is, but I know people have heard that a lot of it too is like computer, I want to say computer generated, but that's not the right word, but like it all goes through a system. Yeah. So it will pick up keywords off your resume and match it to Mm -hmm. the job posting to make sure you're actually, you know, like qualified for it. And then once it matches like 80% or whatever, that's when Mm -hmm. the recruiter looks at it. So you want to make sure those buzzwords are on your resume and align with the job posting. Yeah, don't just like mass apply to a bunch of jobs. Because exactly. I've heard about people doing that where it's like, I see a job on LinkedIn and I apply. And it's like, you're just wasting everyone's time. And even yeah. if you get an interview, then you're going to be like, oh, I don't want this job. Yeah. Like it's it's only apply for jobs that you are really interested in and then tailor your resume that way. Yeah. And like that might mean slightly tweaking your resume for every job you apply to. Like. Yeah. It's not rewriting the whole thing, but it's just, like I said, maybe you're swapping out strong communication for time management, you know, or like Mm -hmm. whatever one job wants you to focus on more, like make sure that's present, but also don't lie. Like I said, like if you don't have a skill that they're looking for, like I say, try to find like a way to make your experience relevant to what they're looking for without just flat out lying because Mm -hmm. that's not going to work either. (laughs) Yeah, no. Yeah. What are your tips on the resume front? Number one, obviously spell check is very important because if you're looking at a resume for 10 seconds and you see a spelling mistake, especially if you put on your resume that like you have a great attention to detail, blah, blah, blah. That's like red flag central. It shows that the resume isn't important to you, that this Mm -hmm. job is not important or that you typed it up really quickly and sent it out. Like, it's just not a good look. So triple check your stuff, send it to your friends, send it to your parents and be like, can you check for spelling mistakes? Especially if you're aware that that's something you struggle with, that's totally fine. Just have people look at it and help you out. It takes like 30 seconds. Another thing I wanted to say is kind of read the room as far as the kind of industry you're trying to get into. So like my resume, because I work in a creative industry, it's bright yellow and like crazy. Mm -hmm. But that's because I put on my resume that I'm a creative person and I bring, you know, art to life. And so if I'm saying those kind of things, I can't have a resume that's like Times New Roman 12 font on, you know, a white piece of paper. And whereas like, if you're applying to work in finance, probably don't apply with like a bright yellow resume. Mm -hmm. And it's the same, like I had a friend who went to a job interview for Chorus, which is a, you know, media company, they do television. And he showed up in a suit. And he was like, everyone laughed at me. And it's the same situation. You know, you kind of have to read the room. If you're going for a creative job, this is the time to be a little creative, to be interesting, to be quirky, because those Mm -hmm. are the kinds of people that these places like to hire, especially agencies. Like you want to look like a cool kid when you're walking in there and you want your resume to reflect that as well. Yeah. Another thing I do is I list my clients 
that I've worked mm-hmm. with in the past because as f- a- anyone could write, I'm good at time management. I'm yeah. good at being organized. But if you can list, like, I've worked with Air Canada, I've worked with McDonald's, I've worked with Lexus. These are names that people know. And it's the same. Like, if you work with certain programs, mm-hmm. list those yeah. out. Say, I know how to use Excel. I know how to use Photoshop. Because yeah. these are properties that people know. And reading a resume for 10 seconds, they pop out to them. And it's like yeah. hard skills. Yeah, exactly. Same if you've won any awards or if you have any statistics, like if you, I feel like this is maybe the easiest if you work in social media or something like that, because you can actually bring forth analytics and say, yeah, "Yeah, I grew this Facebook page a hundred percent or, you know, whatever number, those kinds of things that are hard facts, I think can really, really help you stand out. Yeah. And just like to prove that you're qualified and like credible, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. One last thing I wanted to say is to have a LinkedIn. Like I feel like a Mm -hmm. lot of people have LinkedIn's, but I went to a course about how to utilize your LinkedIn and the woman leading the course said something that like blew my mind, but is actually really obvious. And she said, if you are building a website or or a portfolio, your SEO is going to be terrible. Mm -hmm. If someone searches video editor and you built your website yesterday, it's going to be buried like 200,000 pages deep. However, LinkedIn fights hard for their SEO SEO. to be high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you put your description is my name is Tegan, I'm a video editor, I help blah, 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 blah. Then if people search that your LinkedIn will show up much higher and earlier than your portfolio Mm -hmm. ever would. So if you're someone who is on the job hunt or a freelancer, it is so important to keep your LinkedIn up to date and to have descriptors in your bio because it literally is helping you find a job because LinkedIn wants people to click on the LinkedIn link. So that's another thing. Yeah. Yeah, And LinkedIn is its own search engine in a way, right? Like recruiters are on Mm -hmm. there, companies are on there, and they're the ones performing searches for a video editor, a social media specialist. And like within LinkedIn, you're like being recommended to them. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. a lot of people know this, but if you're just starting to look for a job, you can also toggle on LinkedIn. If you're currently looking for a job, if you're just, Mm -hmm. you know, casually browsing or actively looking, and that also kind of intensifies or signals how much, I guess they should like show your profile to recruiters and whatnot. And it just makes you so much more discoverable. So 100%, it is like, so key, regardless Mm -hmm. of where you're at in your professional career, like you need to have a LinkedIn, it needs to be up to date, it needs to be professional. And you can use it to your advantage for sure. LinkedIn's also a great place to like, find job postings. So you can't just wait for people to reach out to you and hope that you surface in their searches. Like that's yeah. where I, I think I've like applied to all my jobs on LinkedIn pretty mm. much like after kind of hearing about them from friends or my network, so many job postings on there and they're like yeah. qualified. You see what company it is, you know, it's just super great place to look for jobs as well. Yeah. And I think like one last thing on LinkedIn before we go into more job interviews, 
but mm-hmm. feel free to reach out to people on LinkedIn. Like I've had people yeah. reach out to me saying like, I want to get into the film industry. Mm-hmm. Do you want to have a chat? And like, yeah. I'm always open for that as I'm sure like a lot of people are obviously like if you reach out to the CEO of Disney, they're probably busy. Yeah. They probably won't respond. Yeah. <laughs> but especially like search through people who went to the same university as you or search through exactly. people who have mutual connections. It's a really great tool, especially during COVID when you can't be going to networking events mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. It's a very good resource, I think. Yeah. Actually, this is kind of off topic, but yes, 100%. I love that for LinkedIn. <laughs> and we promise this episode is not sponsored by LinkedIn. <laughs> Even though I wish it was. Sweet, the amount right? of time I spend on LinkedIn, I wish I was getting paid to be there. Yeah, no kidding. When you mentioned industry events, and obviously during a COVID world, like those are kind of non-existent, but Facebook is also another really great place, mm-hmm. especially for like events and groups. Outside of LinkedIn is you know, like it's a great way to connect with people. Like Mm -hmm. I know Tegan and I are both part of like a Toronto freelancers group kind of thing. And that's a great way to like find business or just find like-minded people. Same with Mm -hmm. industry events. Like if you're just kind of browsing the events on Facebook, you might find like a few good ones to go to. And then this is just a way to, like we said, meet like-minded people, hopefully build Mm -hmm. your network even more, have business cards if you're going like in person. Yeah, I wanted to throw that out there. It just came to mind while you were talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's say you've networked, you've built your resume, your LinkedIn looks amazing, and then you get an interview. What are some tips you have? for someone, even like someone who maybe has never done a job interview before? Yes. So I think your first point about like dressing for it is definitely important. Mm -hmm. Like you want to make sure you obviously look professional, but also are fit for the role. So if that's maybe dressing in a suit or like a super nice dress, or if Mm -hmm. that's, you know, looking professional, but still like casual, you still want your personal style to come through, like all Mm -hmm. of those things. But above all else, you just want it to be something that you're comfortable in and something you're confident in because, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, fixing yourself the whole time you're talking because you're not comfortable Mm -hmm. in the dress you're wearing. Like it just isn't a good vibe. Yeah, like if it's really hot outside and your like favorite outfit is a thick sweater with a blazer, maybe not because you're probably going to be really sweaty anyways. And then you don't want to be like a huge sweaty mess during your interview. For sure. Yeah. The other thing, like being just comfortable in what you're wearing. The other thing, I usually get more stressed out about this is also, I guess, not quite relevant right now in like a COVID world, but I was Mm. always stressed out about getting to the location for the interview and, you know, just like finding the office. Also now, I guess in a virtual world, it's just like making sure like I have the like technology set up, like my AirPods Mm -hmm. are actually connected, like all those pre things. So all of this is to say, plan your outfit, plan like how you're going to get there, your route, you know, make sure you're set up. And then when you're actually in the interview, in in the interview you just have to focus on like your answers and I always practice like some just I try to like anticipate the questions they'll ask me um you know just Mm -hmm. some like standard ones always have like an about me elevator pitch kind of prepared because you know the first thing 
anybody's going to ask you is just like, tell me about yourself, like tell me about your work experience, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. So definitely have that prepared and then just have like, you know, some other quick points that you want to make about your work experience, just your, like we said, those soft and hard skills. Mm -hmm. And then you're just kind of ready for the rest. I think you're, you know yourself and your work experience way better than like you might give yourself credit for. So don't worry about memorizing answers for everything or like quoting your elevator pitch word for word. Just like have an idea of what you want to say. And if you're confident and comfortable and everything else is taken care of, then hopefully everything else just kind of flows. Yeah, I think one thing also is to not put too much pressure on yourself remind yourself Mm -hmm. that this is as much about you meeting them and interviewing them as it is you and so if they ask you a question pause and take time to think about it there's nothing worse than like diving into an answer and starting talking and just rambling on because you don't actually know what you're trying to say it's I think much more reasonable and makes you look more professional if you take a moment even if you say let me think about that for a moment Mm -hmm. and then say your answer I think that that is a much better way to go than just trying to kind of fill the silence. Yeah, for sure. Another thing is to have questions ready to ask them because every single job interview I've been in ends with, and do you have any questions? Mm -hmm. And if you say, no, it's really awkward and weird. You want to have at least a question. To ask because it also shows that you're genuinely interested and have thought about this and are trying to figure out how it fits into your life. So even like I always ask, what's the timeline for hiring? Yeah, because it's quick, easy. But you could ask literally anything. What's the culture like? What's the day to day of this job going to be like? Why is this position open now? Where can I grow from this position? Like you can look online and there's lots of resources on it, but have questions ready that you want answered. Yeah, definitely. And on that note, like I make sure I'm spending time researching the company prior to the interview. And a lot Mm -hmm. of the time, the questions I ask are more so about the company and the culture more Mm -hmm. so than the actual job, because the job is what you're going to talk about in your interview. It's what you read about in the job posting, but you still want to make sure it's a good fit for you outside of the day-to-day like grind. So Mm -hmm. research the company that will also make you just more prepared for anything they ask you or throw at you I find in a lot of interviews I've been in they ask me like are you familiar with the company are you familiar Mm -hmm. with the product and even if you it's not a product you buy all the time or a company you know you support all the time you can at least say like not really but I like did some research and I saw you do this or I saw this as your customer whatever but it also helps you like know what questions to ask Mm mm-hmm yeah, I love that. On top of researching the like company, it might also be interesting to just like research the person who's going to be interviewing you if you know their name. And this mm-hmm. is just me. I get like anxious about everything apart from the actual <laughs> interview. So I want to know the face of the person I'll be talking to prior to like mm-hmm. actually seeing them pop up on my screen for the interview. So if you know their name, like just type them into LinkedIn and just like see if you can find what they look like. So you're prepared. You can mm-hmm. see their past job experience. And maybe there's also something there 
like obviously you don't you're not interviewing them so you don't want that to like dictate your questions to them that much but if you have anything like mutual or like things Mm -hmm. in common then you can use that to your benefit in an interview as well yeah definitely I'm a creeper so I always look at like their Instagram like location tag because I'm like I want to see what the culture (laughs) is like I want to see what people are like actually doing and posting here Yeah. My friend and I were just talking about this though, because he's been interviewing people and he's like, that's great. Everybody does Mm -hmm. it, but don't like bring it up in like, oh yeah, a creeper way. And I feel like we just need to like caution people with that. Don't, you know, if you're like (laughs) talking to the hiring manager or like VP of whatever department you're applying for, don't be like, oh, I saw on your LinkedIn that this, 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 or like, mm-hmm. oh, I saw on the company Instagram, this, 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 like find a way to bring it up without being like, I stalked the shit out of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> now let's talk it's about like it. It's like a first date. You don't want to <laughs> yeah, be like, exactly. oh, I already know about your aunt because you posted about her on Facebook in 2014. Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. And I loved your point about your kind of feeling out the company the same way they're feeling out you as a potential employee. I think Mm -hmm. that's something, especially if you're a few years into your career or, you know, have a little bit more experience and whatnot, like that's the best position to be in is if you're going to be kind of picky and choosy with what your next step is or what your next career like move is don't rush things and don't settle for less than you deserve. So mm-hmm. for me, I feel like my first full-time job, I had no idea what to expect for a salary. So I lowballed it and that's what they gave me. And I ended up not being able to live off of it and picked up a part-time job at the same time as working full-time yeah. because it was just, you know, maybe a lack of research on my end, but also just me not knowing my worth. So mm-hmm. definitely keep that in mind as well. Yeah, especially I think like it is totally appropriate to negotiate the offer that's being given to you. Yes. So, you know, do your research and know. But I think like even I in my first job, I had no idea what, you know, I should be getting paid. So they gave they Mm -hmm. offered me the salary and then they said, and we can't go above that which is a red flag, but Mm -hmm. just know that like, it's normal that you should be able to negotiate, even though you're probably excited to get a job offer and probably just want to say yes, do some research, think about it, talk about it with your parents, with your friends, with your partner, and get back to them and negotiate whether it's the salary or vacation days, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's totally, you know, appropriate for any job interview. Yeah, there's so much that you can negotiate even outside of salary. So definitely look that up. On the salary topic, though, I wanted to quickly mention, like, I'm pretty sure it's on Glassdoor that you can Mm -hmm. research, like, you know, the normal wage or salary for a position in a specific city. So for me, if my next step was a social media manager role, then I would literally type into Google and like social media manager in Toronto salary. And from, you know, any resources that like, or sorry, resources that Google suggests to me, I'll like see what is realistic for me to ask for, for that job title and for like the industry. And then that's at least your starting point. For me, I've always asked for slightly more than 
what my research says, just mm-hmm. so it gives you wiggle room. You know, you know, the employer is probably going to lowball it and come back with something less. So if you're like shooting, you know, five grand over than what you actually want, you're like, okay, well, you know, I wanted 50 grand. So I said 55 grand, like for a year, mm-hmm. they came back at 50 grand and that's what I wanted in the end anyway. Does that make yeah. sense? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think this kind of transitions into just like being an adult over, you know, just being a student. One of the things that I highly, highly recommend is just to remember that you can't start at the top, you know, so Mm -hmm. you can't start, you know, your first job making a hundred grand. Like that's just not realistic. You can't start by being a social media manager or being a director or whatever your end goal is. It's going to take you years and years of experience to get there. And Mm -hmm. I know that is so annoying. Like, (laughs) This is something I have to remind myself all the time, but I think it's true in the workplace, but also in your apartment. Like I look around my apartment still and I'm like, man, like this isn't quite, you know, the style I wish to have, but I just can't afford what I wish to have right now. You know, like you don't start at the top. This is what life is all about is like building to where you want to go. So just keep that in mind and don't beat yourself up if, you know, your first job, you're not making shit tons of money (laughs) or your first apartment isn't, you know, an Insta worthy apartment. Like we all have to start somewhere. So Mm -hmm. be gentle with yourself and just start, you know, don't let it hold you back if it's not perfect. Yeah. And I think that if you are, you know, working hard and doing good work, good things will happen and time will fly. Like it's crazy to think about where I am in my career only Mm -hmm. being like four to five years out of school exactly even though like I'm on a trajectory that makes sense on paper it's just crazy how fast things can happen if you are open and doing good work I think yeah 100 percent another piece of just like life advice for (laughs) post-grad life is We already touched on this, but having people you can lean on, that has been such like a game changer for me. I'm somebody who it's like that Carrie Bradshaw moment where she's like, I'm the solve my own problems type type of gal. (laughs) That is me 100%. I hate asking Mm -hmm. for help. I hate looking weak. I hate not knowing what to do, but Mm. I'm in a very lucky situation where I am super open with my parents and my sisters Mm -hmm. and you know, it's family. So they're very honest with me and, you know, tell me things that I might not want to hear sometimes, but I need to hear sometimes. So they're Mm -hmm. the people I talk everything through with, but it's also relying on your friends, you know, for maybe stuff outside of work and then relying on coworkers and having people at work to talk to about your work problems, like find Mm -hmm. these people and lean on them and be there for them as well. Because, Being an adult is tough. Obviously, (laughs) being a student was tough, but being an adult is extremely tough. That post-grad life transition is a lot Mm -hmm. of firsts, and it doesn't need to be an isolating experience. You know, there are other people who will help you get through it, so just let them be there for you. Yeah, I think one thing also is that there's no shame in kind of starting from the bottom. I know yeah, like lots of people, their parents get them jobs and stuff like that. But I think if you are someone who's like fighting it out on your own, 
that's awesome and you should be proud of that. So there's no shame mm-hmm. in reaching out to your friends who are working and saying, hey, I'm starting to look for a job. Let me know if you find anything. Yeah. I have friends, a lot of friends who are freelancers, and that is like a completely normal thing to do. Every time you finish a big job, you reach out to your circle and say, I'm back on the market. I'm looking for a job. Mm -hmm. If you hear anything, send them to me. And that's, you know, the same for anything. If you're looking for an apartment, maybe mm-hmm. I was maybe not like a man like <laughs> I'm on the prowl so send them my way but jobs <laughs> apartment that kind of thing I feel yeah. like reaching out to your circle is a really smart thing to do because you yeah. can, don't know everything and you can't be everywhere all at once but the more people exactly. who know that you're looking for a job the more likely something will come your way yeah and asking your friends to help you edit your resume or to look it over quickly to go tour that apartment with you. Like you do not have to do this on your own. We're here for you, obviously. Um, (laughs) But that is such a good, good tip. The last thing I wanted to mention on the whole transitioning post-grad life is it's this really like, I don't know, transitional time for your independence too. And Mm -hmm. for me, it was a lot of learning how to manage my time and how to manage my money. So just Mm -hmm. like, I know those are kind of two generic things, but first on the time piece is you don't have due dates for projects anymore. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just kind of you holding yourself accountable to getting your work done. And you might still have due dates at work, but the actual day-to-day isn't really managed by anybody but you. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure you're aware if you have good self, you know, time management skills or if that's something you can improve and find what helps keep you organized and what motivates you so that you are holding yourself accountable to those deadlines you set out or, you know, to accomplish all those things you need to Mm -hmm. accomplish. And then same with on the money side, like last week's episode, we talked with a money coach and she had some really great, you know, tips about balancing your future financial goals with still living in the moment, especially in your twenties. So Mm -hmm. it is, at least for me, it was the first time I was financially independent was when I started working full time. And it was scary because at first, like I needed to pay my rent, but I was also shopping a lot. And, you know, it was just like, you have to kind of, I guess, sometimes make some mistakes and overspend Mm -hmm. some months to realize what you can actually afford and managing your money. What do you actually prioritize? And that might be different from your family, might be different than your friends, but you just need to find a way to make things work for yourself And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think working full time is one of those like key moments where you're like, okay, oh God, this is up to me. Like (laughs) now I need to manage my time and manage my money. Yeah, definitely. Well, that is where we're going to leave this week's episode. So if you enjoyed this, make sure you are subscribed and followed us so that you can see when we put out new episodes. They drop every single Tuesday. In the meantime, you can follow us on socials at Our Golden Twenties. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, Spotify, TikTok, all over. We have a Patreon page, which is the best way to show your support for the podcast. And we drop episodes early there and put up some additional content as well so thank you so much for listening we'll see you next tuesday